The Way Out Podcast, episode 227, a word of warning. This episode contains, at times, graphic descriptions of substance use and related activities and may be a trigger for some listeners. So our recovery life started because I wanted to do a YouTube channel uh, about recovery. I thought of, you know, who I could do that with and Dwayne came to mind right away. He's got a strong recovery program that he works. Uh, we used to use together. Mm. Uh, he went off to prison and I ended up getting clean while he was in prison. And uh, we reconnected when he got out and uh, right away he was on board, you know. Uh, when it started, we had we had my laptop and uh, I took my kids uh, webcam that they had for like video gaming and uh, borrowed that. We had to do about eight starts because Everything was cool till the little red light went on, you know, and then we're both like deer in headlights. So we did one and then we did two and we, you know, got to be more comfortable. And as we went along, um, we just kind of started adding things to, to the production. My dad's quite a bit older than my mom. You know, I have brothers and sisters that are in their 60s. So he took her early retirement from the railroad and he turned the cabin into a house and we moved to Brainerd when I was six years old. I was lost. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, well, you've seen my stature, I'm a pretty tall guy. So got picked on a little bit and uh, I, I just didn't fit in, you know? And uh, so I ended up getting the opportunity to go through second grade again, which is a complete self-esteem booster. And uh, you know, and all those people that were picking on you before like oh, we were right he is a dumb little kid you know like so i that's kind of where my like self-esteem stuff started i think and so so with all the new people that i met in second grade it went a little bit better but i always had that i just always felt less than by ninth grade ninth grade was really tough for me um i don't know what happened but a lot of people were like hey you want to go out back behind the school and in those years i had you know on the weekends have some drinks and uh you know smoke cigarettes or chew tobacco or whatever it took to be cool you know and uh the, the guys that i like hung out with um I, I don't know if they didn't none of them really had older siblings that were into drugs or anything so somehow i made it to 10th grade before i even saw marijuana in the back of my head i'm like i might die but if i don't i'm gonna be the coolest kid on the block you know <laughs> and so yeah, there was a lot of things i did that were just crazy you know and uh and it got worse in when i got into 10th grade what? when i went into my senior year i was 18 because i had gotten held back so i move into a house for my senior year with like five of my buddies it was like game on you know yeah. like no accountability whatsoever and it didn't take long that you know i ended up dropping out of school and then that little thing in the back of my head is oh what do your parents think so i mean i was in and out of school my senior year like four times like i would start and then it wouldn't work out so so once that happened that summer and going into there i was working at madden's resort which is like a drug carnival once the sun goes down and uh, so I remember this buddy of mine, he comes over and uh, he's like, hey, if I give you some, some weed, man, will you get rid of it for me? And I'm like, sure. And at this time I'm, I'm like in the ounce 
sort of size thing. He comes upstairs with a hockey bag and throws like 15 pounds of weed on the um, bed. And I'm just like, you know that, that feeling like there's no more walls and you're in a glass house and everybody in the world is looking at you and you don't know what to do? Yeah. I was just like, uh, uh. I was like, we're all going to go to prison right now. Like I was so right. scared, but that didn't stop me from taking a couple of those, getting rid of it, paying them back. So then that started and then that got into, so I went from just trying to cover my use to all out, you know, selling drugs. The funny thing is, is I made all kinds of money, but I never had any money. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. Everybody wanted to you know get stuff from me everybody wanted to sit down you know oh we'll call him over because we'll buy our bag and we only have to break into it till he leaves because he's just going to get us all where we want to go anyway you know then i got myself into trouble because i ended up uh, i had fronted a couple pounds all of a sudden he walks into the pizza place one day and he goes we need to go for a ride and i'm like oh great he sticks a gun right between my ribs and he's like, this has gone on too long. We need to get this settled. Here's the deal. You see this guy over here? He's going to be coming up in a week. If you don't have the money, he goes, make sure you have your insurance card with you because you're going to need it. And uh, and then if you decide not to pay after that, then you know what happens. I'll be back. I tell my mom the situation. She asked me who I'm going to make the check out to. And um, I told her it didn't really work that way. And she's like, well... How, how do you like get a receipt or how do you know you paid for it? And I was like, well, you know, because I don't just disappear one day. That's how you know. Right. And so she went and got me the money and I paid him off and, and that was done. I did have a moment where everything fell apart on me uh, in there and uh, did the whole like, oh, I'll go to this like afternoon day treatment, get credit for school. And uh, it was just like a resting period. I never really... Like, the spin dry, 30 yeah, day spin did, dry or whatever. Yeah, I stayed clean through the whole thing, you know, but uh, it, it wasn't like I was going to do this forever. I had the same girlfriend like through all of this. Um, I think we took a little break uh, this, that summer before 12th grade, I think. But so anyway, we, uh, after all that, everything kind of cooled down kind of got out of the drug thing she's she was not a, a big fan anymore of all that stuff we're back to now i gotta learn how to drink and uh <laughs> dude it was rough started drinking more and more and more and uh for, gone from weekends to now we're from like 21 ish to like 30 and we'd moved around some stuff and, and uh, into south dakota for a year and uh, all over and different jobs and trying to keep it together and now it's like I'm drinking like three four times a week right. and and now I'm at the point where like I'm starting to change my life around alcohol <laughs> like at this point I can't go to the bar before nine o'clock or I won't make it till two I barely remember going home every single time so she decided to leave before I decided to leave and yeah crushed just like it was one of those things like maybe if I do this things will get better but what I didn't do is put the effort directly back into the relationship I was trying to do outside things to fix inside things I left town for like two weeks after after she first left 
and uh, I came back and uh, that that six months I just I just made it like a bucket list that I was gonna try and rip through like it, it was I was back to I like I have to draw attention to myself or I have to do these things to make myself feel worthy you know right and uh, they were crazy stuff like ride a bull and uh, uh, suspension, you know, where you get the hooks in your back and you swing around from the ceiling. Now, this is why I decided in the six months that I got clean or what I wasn't really clean, but that I was not using. Yeah. And, and somewhere in there, I got over the she's going to come back thing. And it was kind of like then I kind of got that wall well, show you what you're missing sort of thing. And then my birthday rolled around and I was like, you know what? think I'm good enough to drink now and so I started drinking decided to rent out to another girl that sold drugs and another guy that sold drugs and the next thing you know I've got like three or four of the rooms in my house all rented out to drug dealers it's a trap house now <laughs> oh yeah now it's a big old flop house you know it's like a anthill with people coming in and out and in and out and in and out February 2012 um, I was laying in bed and all of a sudden uh, my girlfriend's sister comes running in she goes the cops are here and I can hear them banging on the door you know come in they're coming in like doors all over the place I'm in bed and uh, I was just like I, I put my hands up on the pillow I'm like they're gonna want to know where my hands are and uh, I can remember thinking like finally it's over it's finally over. At least this is over. I can start over and get my life back together because this is completely out of control. We were both on a, you know, let's party as hard as we can till we get ourselves off this planet. You know what I mean? Like we were right. both on a streamline straight to the grave. And uh, yep. I just remember that like, mm. okay, it's over. While she was in jail for those like seven days, she was done. She had the coming to Jesus moment and she was yeah. done yeah. and um, I was like alright well then well, I'm going to be done too we're going to get clean and this is where we start going to, to meetings I did the meeting whatever and I was like alright well we'll just come back tomorrow and we came back tomorrow for like two years she starts working and so we're working we're trying to make things go and she got pregnant so then we got a baby and uh so we decided we needed a two-bedroom apartment so right. we go and we move into a two-bedroom apartment and we're still working and meanwhile we are going to meetings almost every single day and then we were going to church on sunday saturday i was going to a men's meeting in the morning and at night so we were going to like seven meetings a week and uh, we did that for like two or three years real hardcore but we kept going to meetings we kept going to meetings we really got into the life of recovery yeah changed all our people places and things and got real serious i got a sponsor i started working steps um and 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 hanging out with people and finding out that it's actually you don't have to get messed up to have fun welcome way out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the way out podcast we appreciate your ears our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. 
The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and allrecoveryrings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's allrecoveryrings.com. The Way Out podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and this week, Jason's got a wonderful interview with the founder and creator of the YouTube recovery series, Our Recovery Life. Tom's story resonates on so many levels as he shares his journey to and through recovery thus far with a no-holds-barred approach on sharing what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. There's some downright insane moments that will leave you wondering how he gets through, and equally inspiring moments that provide real, honest-to-goodness hope. Tom has developed new passions on this journey and found some great meaning and purpose in his own life along the way. You quite simply can't help but be inspired by the story you're about to hear. So listen up. Hey, everybody out there in Way Out Podcast land. This is your trusty co-host, Jason. I got a special guest with us today, Tom Walsh. He's the better half of uh, our recovery life. I'm just kidding. Dwayne's going to nut punch me when he hears that. Uh, (laughs) You guys might remember Dwayne uh, was on the show a couple months back um, after I did an appearance on Our Recovery Life, which is a YouTube channel uh, that you know, similar to what we do, except it's on video, people sharing their stories and sharing experiences, strength and hope. So how's it going, Tom? Oh, it's going great, man. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, dude. I'm glad that we could finally find the time to connect and do this thing. We've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. So, man, I love your story. Like this recovery life, just of that, you know, the story of our recovery life is crazy cool because you guys have actually like you've changed so much in the short time you've been evolving like pretty quickly in in like the production value and the way that you uh put your show together you want to tell us a little bit about that before we get into your story 
Yeah. So our recovery life started because I wanted to do a YouTube channel um, about recovery. I thought that would be pretty cool. And uh, I thought of, you know, who I could do that with. And Dwayne came to mind right away. Uh, he's got a strong recovery program that he works. Uh, we used to use together. Mm. Um, he went off to prison and I ended up getting clean while he was in prison. And uh, we reconnected when he got out. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was, I uh, asked him to come have coffee with me. We sat down at the coffee shop and I was like, so this is what I'm thinking. And uh, right away he was on board, you know. And uh, when it started, we had, we had my laptop and uh, I took my kids' uh, webcam that they had for like video gaming and uh, borrowed that. And we <laughs> set everything up on my couch right on the coffee table and, uh, you know, went for it. And, uh, you know, it was a little, little rough, you know, we had to do about eight starts cause everything was cool till the little red light went on, you know, and then we're both like deer in headlights. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is. And, uh, so yeah, we were just, uh, so we did one and then we did two and we, you know, got to be more comfortable. And as we went along, um, we just kind of started adding things to, to the production um, mm -hmm. I didn't really know anything like I had done editing in high school, but back then it was like VCR tapes and all this other stuff. So this whole uh, on the computer editing was completely new to me. Right. So, you know, we were trying to do everything in one take because I'm like, I got to try and edit that together. You know, it, it took me like a week to get an intro put together. So, right. yeah, so, so we, we just kept doing that. And then, uh, Finally, I started to get like the green screen and uh, pretty soon I had all this stuff I was acquiring and I had nowhere to like keep it safe from my kids. You know? <laughs> yeah. I got you have a, a small army in your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, and three of them are three to seven. So, you know, that's just, oh, look, cool. Look at all that's cool stuff, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I had to pack everything up every time we did a, you know, shot one. And uh, so I built a little... Well, it was pretty much like a box, you know, in my yeah. uh, the, the studio that we did your uh, YouTube story in. And uh, so I built that and I had the, the computer was sitting on a chair, but I had the green screen backdrop and we'd gotten some lighting and picked up a microphone. And so things were getting a little better. I was getting a little better at editing so we could like take things in, out, um, got, got a little bit better uh, intros, outros. And uh, it's coming along pretty good. And then after that, um, I had JP on the show. And uh, JP and me and Dwayne. And then he had brought some people to watch. And we're all, you know, stuffed in that little spot. Mm. And we're trying to, you know, we're almost on top of each other. So we didn't go off the edges of the green screen or hit the walls. Right. And so uh, <laughs> I, tore, I tore that one down and built a bigger one. Right. So instead of the big tall chairs, now we got some, you know, nice chairs to relax. My wife has been so supportive for Christmas. Yeah. I got microphones, mixing boards, like I, like a little kid at Christmas. You know, oh, I yeah. opened up that box and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff. <sighs> and uh, so now I got the the new studio. We got, you know, the microphones, the mixing boards, all that good stuff. Um, and so we're, we did kind of take a, a break and that was, 
kind of due to, well, the whole COVID thing that's going on. And then when the kids went back to school and distance and non-distance learning. And so things kind of got slowed down um, while I got everything all hooked up. Well, Mr. Dwayne uh, had a baby. Well, yeah. And then Dwayne had a baby. And uh, yeah, so so now I got everything hooked up and uh, ready to roll. So we're going to get back into it here. So No, it's, it is awesome, man. You know, and it's like it's just so cool what can happen like when when we're we're living a life of recovery uh new passions arise you know and you get this idea this vision right and it just takes off like a like a learjet man just like i mean you've been it's it's nonstop. even though you took a break you know the momentum didn't stop you know right ideas swirling in your head more gear you know you're you're getting ramped up and set for the next round which is going to be bigger and better you know uh and we i know we all anybody that's you know listen to your show or anybody even that hasn't that's in recovery can really appreciate what you guys do um it's essential man we need we need more ways and means in which to hear other people's stories and to share our own stories you know yeah, absolutely. So, so important, dude. I, it all started for me with that, you know, hearing other people's stories, because then I knew that this was working, you know? Oh, yeah. I'd be like, you, I'd be like, that's a fluke. You know, I'd watch those people that were doing good, man, and I'd wait for them to mess up and fall off. They didn't. Oh, you know? yeah, for sure. I, they I grow more. Too. Yep. And then I'd be like, holy crap, this really works. So that's. That's how I got hope. And without hope, I never would have uh, opened my mouth. I never would have sponsored up. I never would have did the work. I never would have really changed on a fundamental level. So it all starts here, you know, hearing stories, sharing our stories. Um, well, I'm listening to each other because, you know, the Way Out podcast, um, I, I love that podcast too. I listen to that. I think my favorite one, the one with you and the judge yeah amazing that's street <laughs> yeah that was it that was amazing it was it oh my god i got goosebumps thinking about it <laughs> you know i had a couple people reach out to me and you know they were kind of like you know it was cool but you know they're kind of like critiquing the way you know maybe like we were talking or whatever and i'm like look you know this lady don't do radio you know, right, right. you got to understand that like people, we don't, you know, being a podcast is cool, but it's not like we require people to have experience speaking on a recording, you know, or, oh, yeah. or being really like smooth or, or charismatic. Like that's not what it's about. It's about the message. So um, to me, obviously I'm biased because that's my story and she <laughs> played such a huge part in it. Um, but yeah, that was to date my my most meaningful, I think, podcast that I've done. It was a trip just to get to like step inside her head a little bit and hear her talk about her job. And like we're talking like friends, right? And like that's right. my life hung in the balance. And this lady had the the scale, you know. And now now look, you know. So it's like 
what won't God do, man? That's what I was going to say is like, look, he'll do some stuff that you'll just be like, no way. And that was one of those things for sure. I'm just like, no way. I can't even believe I got the idea, let alone had the balls to ask, let alone right. that she would say yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that now we did it, but, um, no, thank you, man, for it's always encouraging to hear some good feedback because we you'd be surprised we don't get a whole lot of feedback. You know, people aren't constantly reaching out and dropping us a line and letting us know what the show means to them or anything like that. So it's it's cool. It's cool to hear some nice, positive feedback. Thank you. Oh, for sure. So speaking of telling stories, we want to learn about you, Tom. We want to hear about your crazy life. So. All I'm right. going to give you the reins and, you know, we might talk a little bit or relate to one another during it, but you know, it's just, floor is yours for the most part now, buddy. So take her away. All right. Well, let's see. My, uh, my parents had a cabin up in Brainerd and uh, they lived in Dilworth and my dad's quite a bit older than my mom. You know, I have brothers and sisters that are in their sixties and, uh, so he took her early retirement from the railroad and he turned the cabin into a house and we moved to Brainerd. And that was when I was in sixth grade or I mean, when I was six years old. So we moved to Brainerd and uh, I started second grade in Brainerd. And uh, it was weird because everything was so much different, like the cl- curriculum and I was lost. I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, well, you've seen my stature. I'm a pretty tall guy. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I got, picked. <laughs> I got, got picked on a little bit and, uh, I, I just didn't fit in, you know? And, uh, so I ended up getting the opportunity to go through second grade again, which is a complete self-esteem booster. And, uh, you know, and all those people that were picking on you before, like how we were right he is a dumb little kid you know like so i that's kind of where my like self-esteem stuff started i think Mm. and so so with all the new people that i met in second grade it went a little bit better but i always had that i just always felt less than you know and i always you know wanted at the same time i always wanted to you like make my parents proud of me Mm. and that really uh boy you know not having any self-esteem or not being outgoing and then trying to do that it it creates a like inertia of you know confusion and self-doubt and so elementary school was kind of rough for me uh it was a lot better with the after i got held back than that first year but i went off to sixth grade and uh, the puberty gods were good to me. And uh, <laughs> I went, went back to sixth grade. I wasn't the shortest kid anymore. You know, I wasn't the tallest by any means. And uh, middle of sixth grade, I'm, I was as tall as I am now. So it was a blessing and, and a curse. Like, here, we're going to let you grow a little bit, little buddy, but <laughs> we're going to shut you down. So, <laughs> so sixth grade, I, I tried to, you know, I started to gain some what I guess you would call popularity and people liked me. And, uh, so I, 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 I just bit on that, you know, and, uh, went with it. And, uh, you know, back then, um, you know, 44 now. So back then it was like, all right, well now I got to get my mullet on and I got to get my leather jacket going, 
you know, and I had Motley Crue tapestries and T-shirts everywhere. And uh, so I was trying to be the high schooler in sixth grade and yeah. uh, and be cool and like have friends and and, you know, and it worked, you know, for for a while. I wasn't the most popular kid in school, obviously, because I was kind of playing on the, you know, back then the stoner kind of thing. Right. But then you were kind of like edgy, kind of like badass. Right. Right. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) so, but I I wasn't really like a fighter or anything. I just, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. It was, it was just a weird time where I, I thought I was more than I was, I think. And that carried through to seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, the puberty gods got nice to everybody else. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like in eighth grade back down to one of the shorter, smaller kids. Um, I, w- I, you know, I didn't weigh like a hundred pounds soaking wet. You know, I was, you know, not, I was about husky, you know, and uh, I was in swimming and I did sports and stuff. Uh, but eighth grade, I start, started losing that momentum. And uh, by ninth grade, ninth grade was really tough for me. Um, I don't know what happened, but a lot of people were like, hey, you want to go out back behind the school? And, you know, and I, and I was losing my confidence. And so I just, uh, you know, I acted all tough. But then when they go out one door, I go out the other. Oh, I didn't see you, you know, stuff like that. And I got real like shifty. And I ended up getting in a few fights and I don't know, it was not what I, not what I had, you know, thought was going to happen. You know, I thought I was just going to ride this wave, you know, through life or so. I don't know what I thought, but, uh, and in those years I had, you know, on the weekends have some drinks and, uh, you know, smoke cigarettes or chew tobacco or whatever it took to be cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the guys that I like hung out with, um, I, I don't know if they didn't, none of them really had older siblings that were into drugs or anything. So somehow I made it to 10th grade before I even saw marijuana. Wow. And, uh, so we're 10th grade. We ninth grade was like a senior high. Then we went right. to 10th grade was the high school. And, but regardless, uh, what we're seeing is that you, you were trying to be a chameleon throughout your, you know, younger years, like trying to find acceptance and a place where you fit in and changing yourself to try to manipulate the process and make that happen. You thought you found it and then that wasn't working the way that you thought it was. So it wasn't enough, right? Like no matter what, uh, it wasn't satisfying you. You weren't feeling like, you know, confident in yourself yet anyway. And this is without, and I only point that out because it's like, that's without, drugs yet <laughs> yeah that's just uh drinking on the weekends and and another thing that i did a lot of is i would do i didn't get in a lot of trouble i mean i got in some trouble because you know i got caught doing a few things but i i was always trying to ride that line where everybody was like well you know if, if everybody in the group wasn't going to do it i was going to do it because they you all know, i was that guy yeah. so i did some stuff that <laughs> in the back of my head i'm like i might die but if i don't I'm going to be the coolest kid on the block, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, there was a lot of things I did that were just crazy. You know? And, uh, and it got worse in when I got into 10th grade. Like what? And well, my, my friends started like, 
they got into, you know, smoking a little weed. And I was like, oh, let me check that out. And the thing with drinking is I would drink, but I'd get sick. And uh, my hangovers were horrible. And and so I smoked some weed and uh, I just got ripped. And then I wasn't hung over. I wasn't sick. I was, I was like, oh, all right, yeah. game on. Now I found my new thing, you know. Right. And um, and I can drive and, you know, I don't have to, like, worry about smelling like booze when I go home or any of that stuff. So I was like, I was set. But I've it didn't take long to find out that I couldn't really afford to smoke <laughs> weed, <laughs> you right. know, like on the weekends, you know, if I wanted to go to the movies and, you know, do whatever else I was doing, you know, I couldn't afford to to do this so it started with buying a couple joints on the weekends and then uh then it was like all right a couple of us will get together and get a bag and then pretty soon like all my friends are going over here to get a bag and i'm like well why don't i just go over there and get a big bag and then i split it all up and then give them each theirs i get my money back and now i have my bag you know this is my little mr entrepreneur here so that's how it kind of that's how that started. And, um, that kind of rolled through, through 10th grade. And that, that summer, all of a sudden it was like, you start meeting more people that use drugs. And all of a sudden there's like, Hey, you want to try this acid? Like, well, what does that do? Well, you want to talk about fall in love, you know? Cause I like that. And what this, this really got me later on is I like that out of control feeling. Yeah. Like the fa- faster things are going and the more out of control they are. Like, I like that. Right. So, <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, if you, you know, buy like so much acid, then you spent all your money again. But if you buy a whole sheet of acid and you sell a couple, you know, so I did the same thing with that kind of that summer. And, um, then I bumped into an old friend that I had when I was younger and, uh, he had started like really getting into it. And uh, I remember the first time uh, he came over, this was more in my senior year, kind of that kind of just kind of rolled through till I was a senior, you know, Mm -hmm. some, some acid, some mushrooms, some, you know, and, uh, and some weed and this and that. But I, I almost completely quit drinking. I was like, that's awesome. Right. And uh, so, when I went into my senior year, I was 18 because I had gotten held back. So I move into a house for my senior year with like five of my buddies. I was like game on, you know, yeah. like no accountability whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it didn't take long that, you know, I ended up dropping out of school. And then that little thing in the back of my head is, oh, what do your parents think? So, I mean, I was in and out of school my senior year like four times. Like I would start. And then it wouldn't work out. So, so once that happened that summer and going into there, I was working at Madden's Resort, which is like a drug carnival once the sun goes down. And uh, so I remember this buddy of mine, he comes over and uh, he's like, hey, if I give you some, some weed, man, will you get rid of it for me? And I'm like, sure. And at this time, I'm, I'm like in the ounce sort of size thing he comes upstairs with a hockey bag and throws like 15 pounds of weed on the um 
bed and I'm just like, you know, that that feeling like there's no more walls and you're in a glass house and everybody in the world is looking at you and you don't know what to do. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, we're all going to go to prison right now. Like I was so scared, but that didn't stop me from taking a couple of those, getting rid of it, paying them back. So then that started and then that got into, so I went from just trying to cover my use to all out, you know, selling drugs, trying to make uh, some bank. Oh yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is I made all kinds of money, but I never had any money. I know. You know? <laughs> you know? Dude, that's the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, I got this gigantic stereo and I got, you know, I don't feel like doing laundry. I'll just go buy new clothes, you know, right. like, and, uh, you know, like I, like you were talking about the candy man, you know, yeah. that, yep. that whole like drug scene put me right back to where I was like in sixth grade. Right. Like nobody wanted to fight me. Everybody wanted to hang out with me. Everybody wanted to, you know, get stuff from me. Everybody wanted to sit down, you know, oh, we'll call him over because we'll buy our bag and we only have to break into it till he leaves because he's just going to get us all where oh, yeah. we want to go anyway. Um, totally. And uh, then I started doing the, you know, the rave thing. Mm. And uh, but I, I didn't like to dance. I wasn't a big dancer. So I would like go down to the rave with a whole ton of cash and I'd be in line or 20, 30 minutes into the rave with a backpack full of shit. I bought like I was at the mall and then I would go back to Brainerd Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it just got crazy. And you know, then I got myself into trouble because I ended up, uh, I had fronted a couple pounds and I took my girlfriend at the time to the casino. My parents (laughs) were in California and another guy I knew that it was getting crank from remember crank. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so when I, yeah, it started doing <laughs> crank and a little bit of Coke. And so he, this, this guy breaks into my parents' house and like ransacks it mm-hmm. while I'm at the casino. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was unfortunate, but in the process, he found my money in the freezer downstairs that I owed for the dope. Mm. So then I had no money. I had no credit and I owed, you know, a ton of money. And so my buddy was doing this because he had people that he was working for. And uh, so he did the best to keep them off my back. And I was trying to, I got a job and then I ended up breaking my foot. And then, so I didn't work for a while and he kind of held him back there. Then I uh, started delivering pizza right after I got my cast off and I'm limping to the doors of people's houses, you know, whatever. And (laughs) all of a sudden he walks into the pizza place one day and he goes, we need to go for a ride. And I'm like, Oh, great. So I remember the manager of the place I was buddies with too. I remember giving him my wallet, my keys, my whatever. And I was like, here, give this to my girlfriend. If I don't come back, like that's where I was at. Right. And I get in the back of this car and there's this, guy and then this gigantic guy you know looked like he could have probably wwf'd it up you know he was big (laughs) yeah and so he sticks a gun right between my ribs and he's like this has gone on too long we need to get this settled whatever um so we're going over to your house we're going to take all your stuff until you whatever i'm like i don't have the keys to my my apartment it's like you don't have keys to your apartment i'm like no i'm at work and my girlfriend's got the keys or whatever and so he's like, 
All right, well, here's the deal. You see this guy over here? He's going to be coming up in a week. If you don't have the money, he goes, make sure you have your insurance card with you because you're going to need it. And uh, and then if you decide not to pay after that, then you know what happens. I'll be back. And I'm like, all right, drops me off, you know. So I, uh, I had this big idea. I was going to move to Colorado. Yeah. And uh, just dip out. No, yep, I'm out. See ya. Uh, and then my buddy goes, he called me up and he goes, Hey, man, I know you're in a tough spot. He goes, But these guys know where your parents live. So don't like try and run or anything. All right. And uh, that hit me hard, man. I was like, Oh. And uh, so, yeah, I had no money. I dropped out of school. I. You know, I don't know, bills were already getting behind and I had just kind of ventured out on my own. And uh, I was like, I need I need help. So I went and uh, my mom's a school teacher and I went over to the school and I got her out of class. And I was like, look, I was going to try and take care of this myself. And meanwhile, my parents don't even know. Right. You no. Know, I was always Anything. high. I was always high. So I was always telling them that I was the designated driver because I don't drink. Right. To the, you know. So. Well, and it's like my old philosophy used to be like, if you show up to get the application and fill that out high, you show up to the interview high and you show up to work every day high. People don't think you're high because they just think that's the way you are naturally. Yeah. You know, like that was kind of my motto in life too. So it's like, yeah, you're, you're thinking you have to come to them for help, but they don't have a clue what's coming. And they, they've been kind of right clueless to what you've been really doing. I can imagine how well that was. Going. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got to tell my mom that uh, what's going on. I'm like, here's the deal. And uh, I owe these guys like three grand and whatever. And she's like, after she a little awestruck and then she's like, okay, um, I'm like, cause they're coming to get me. And if I run, they're coming to get, well, I don't even think I told her that part. I don't think like I wanted to scare to you. <laughs> yeah, they're coming for you. That's but uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, I didn't know this until later, but uh, like my great uncle had passed away and she had gotten a little inheritance. And so she was like, and this is the funniest thing. This is how like not in the loop. My mom was about drugs. She's like, all right. We'll, we'll get this taken care of. Who do I make the check out to? <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think they take a check. <laughs> no, that's weird. And dude, I feel you. Cause I remember like, and I don't think I've talked about it on the show before, but similar things that happened where I was gone, you know, for the weekend and my place just got tossed, you know? Um, and it's all that, you know, your enemies, <laughs> sometimes they're the guys sitting on the you know, couch every day, you know, that you don't even, you think you can trust some of these people in the life and you really can't. And I remember one time I was in treatment and people broke into my mom's house because that's where I was living when I was selling a lot of meth and other drugs. And uh, dude, they tore they tore the place up. They stole a bunch of her stuff. I was so angry. They broke her fucking, her uh, screen door was like a one that was all big pane of glass. They smashed it with this wood thing and then they left it there and it had carved in it. Like, I know what you did. And it's like, 
I was in recovery at that point. So it was like, everybody knows what I did. So whoever did this is thinking that I'm still like living with all these secrets that I've, since I was sharing on Facebook and on sober and serious and people knew, you know, um, so it was like, whoever this was thinks they got some, you know, it was just crazy. You know, people hold these grudges or they're always, you know, watching your ass and they, they don't care that, like you said, you know, they'll threaten your family. They'll threaten anybody to get what's theirs. I don't know. I don't miss that life, bro. Oh, me neither. Don't miss it. But anyway, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. So, so, uh, Right before that, um, this is kind of a interesting story. So I, uh, I was gonna make this money back, so I w- it didn't work. But I was trying, so I had to go and get stuff from people that I didn't normally get it from. You know, it was so easy to get it from him because it was like one phone call, meet for two seconds, drop like because he was in the cities and uh, just smooth. And so now I'm doing the whole meet this guy that knows this guy that doesn't show up and all that stuff. And so ended up getting some money together and I was going to go get some weed and, and start trying to flip it over so I could pay this guy back and uh, get down there. And the guy who's supposed to have the weed isn't there. And one thing and another, and then this other guy calls me up and uh, he's like, well, Hey, I know you can't get any weed, but you know, I can get you some Coke. And I'm like, all right, so I'm going to go buy like an ounce, <laughs> like, which is a total whole different lane for me. You right. know, I did the stuff, but I never got like a bunch of it. So I go over there, give the guy the money. He gives it to some chick. She takes off. She comes back. She brings it back. And I'm looking at it and uh, she's like, hey, you want me to show you how you can bag this up in little rocks to get rid of it? And I'm like bag it up in little rocks she's like yeah i'm like what so anyway i ended up buying an ounce of crack mm-hmm. and i didn't know that it was and i'd never done that you know and that wasn't really in brainerd right <clears throat> so so my great big idea to to flip this <laughs> weed over <laughs> turned into an ounce of crack i go back and, and you don't know any crack i don't know anybody <laughs> So, you know, and I it sucks. Got to try it out, see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, so that always ends well. Yeah. So um oh, smoked half of it yep. with like that was a long week. <laughs> like that was crazy. And uh and and I found one guy I knew that knew what to do with it and uh I sold him like half of it. And when it was all said and done, I actually lost money. Yeah. And and found a new love you're lucky you got rid of any of it dude the first time i tried crack i'll never forget it this guy busted out a paper bag and it had like a tennis ball size rock of that shit in there and we sat probably i think it was probably like 16 hours or something like that four of us and just smoked it and smoked it and then literally all of a sudden we're like in unison look over at them like, you're going to pack that thing up or what? And he was like, it's gone. And we all looked at him like, yeah, right. And he just like flipped the bag inside out and shook it around. And we all just like looked down like, ah, oh. 
dude, I shit you not. That was my first time experience ever touching that shit. Right. I mean, you can, it's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't you stop. You can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it, there's no hang time. It's like the best thing ever for like five seconds. And they're right. Like, you know what I mean? There's no hang time to it. So luckily I couldn't really get my hands on anymore. So it, you know, without, mm. it worked out that I didn't end up getting hooked on it, you know, right. which was lucky. Cause you know, anything I like, I like as much and as many as I can get, you know? So, yeah. So anyway, I asked, I tell my mom the situation. She asked me who I'm going to make the check out to. And, um, I told her it didn't really work that way. And she's like, well, how, how do you like get a receipt or how do you know you paid for it? And I was like, well, you know, because I don't just disappear one day. That's how, you know, right. And so she went and got me the money and I paid him off and, and that was done. And, uh, hmm. so I guess I, I did leave one little thing out. I, I did have a moment where everything fell apart on me, uh, in there and, uh, did the whole, like, Oh, I'll go to this like afternoon day treatment, get credit for school. And, uh, it was just like a resting period. I never really like the spin dry 30 yeah, day spin did, dry or whatever. Yeah. I stayed clean through the whole thing, you know, but, uh, it, it wasn't like I was going to do this forever. It was no. just like, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought maybe the drugs were done, but I got to get, you know, I was still going to be drinking and all that. But now I can make the real money because I'm not going to be doing any of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was my that was my thing all the time. Like, dude, I could yeah. never sell nothing without using that shit. Never. Yeah, that never works. Mm -mm. So uh, after that, um, my girlfriend said had the same girlfriend like through all of this. Um, I think we took a little break, uh, this, that summer before 12th grade, I think. But so anyway, we, uh, after all that, everything kind of cooled down, kind of got out of the drug thing. She's, she was not a, a big fan anymore of all that stuff. And, uh, so, and, and weed started putting me to sleep. So I just, I didn't even like that anymore. And I don't know. So we're back to now I got to learn how to drink and uh, <laughs> dude, it was rough. Full I would circle. get, I would get drunk and then I would wake up in the morning and puke like every single time. Mm. And, uh, but I, I stuck with it. And after about <laughs> years, <laughs> a couple of years, you know, it's almost, I, it almost came across <laughs> like I quit smoking or a, or a weight loss story. Like, but I stuck with it the way yeah, you said I, that. I did not give up. That's you awesome. Know? And, uh, and, and this wasn't even like getting Holy. blackout drunk. Like every time I drank, it was sick in the morning, you know, right. but, uh, so I got over that, you know, so one hump, <laughs> one hump taken out. And, um, but then, so, so, and then we end up getting married. And, uh, we, we moved to St. Cloud, uh, so she could go to school and, uh, then it was pretty much a drinking, but a lot of it. And I kind of got to the point over the next, however many years that, you know, it started like a weekend party thing and, uh, just going to kind of fast forward over this because it was kind of the same old thing. Yeah started drinking more and more and more and uh for, gone from weekends to now we're from like 21 ish to like 30 
Mm. And we'd moved around some stuff and, and uh, into South Dakota for a year and uh, all over and different jobs and trying to keep it together. And now it's like I'm drinking like three, four times a week. Right. And and now I'm at the point where like I'm starting to change my life around alcohol. Like <laughs> yeah. at this point, I can't go to the bar before nine o'clock or I won't make it till two. I barely remember going home every single time. Um, then, uh, you know, I, I didn't get back into the weed thing. And uh, this is how kind of bad it got for me. I uh, had, would have people to the after party from the bar. Mm-hmm. And I didn't smoke weed really, but uh, the neighbors were selling weed and people at the party would want weed. So it'd be like three in the morning and I'd go over there and knock on their door. And then I'd sit down to wait for him to answer the door. And then like my wife would come and find me at like seven in the morning, passed out on their porch. And this was like a once a month thing. Like you're trying to hook your friends up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm so wasted. I can't even, right. you know, your friends probably have been long gone. They were oh, like, yeah. where did Tom go? You know? And they left at like, three in the morning and you're still over there like uh you're passed out on the porch so um and then kind of the socially acceptable cocaine bar party scene thing kind of crept back in so i had that going on now that goes with uh drinking like you know peanut butter and jelly oh yeah yeah for sure So then that got out of hand. Like every time I go to the bar, I get like blackout, almost drunk. And then I'd run around town all night trying to find Coke. And mm-hmm. it just, well, until, you know, eventually I found somebody that it was, you know, ding right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, went on with that. Now this relationship that I was in, um, it has its ups, its downs, um, but it had pretty much deteriorated. And um this is what what kind of got got me on the whole my parents trying to you know caring what my parents thought about me mm-hmm. um we had been married for like 12 years and we didn't have any kids and uh we just partied all the time and it got to a point where the only time we really got along was that two drinks in till almost blackout time like that was the cool time but otherwise it was this miserable life before we got drunk. And then the argument after we were wasted sort of thing. Right. But the only thing I had ever done, I'd been through jobs. I've done, I never graduated from high school. I did get my GED. Um, but you know, like the only thing I did, my parents are real big on the, you know, you get married, you're married for life thing. And right. it was like the only thing that I didn't screw up yet, you know, and it was, it was kind of a false thing. Cause it was already kind of screwed up. Right. And, um, so she decided to leave before I decided to leave and yeah, crushed just like it was one of those things. Like maybe if I do this, things will get better. But what I didn't do is put the effort directly back into the relationship. I was trying to do outside things to fix inside things. Um, right. I don't really want to get into it too much right. because it involves her and that's her, you know, I'm not her here to tell, to tell her story. You know, right. that's, that's for her to decide, but no worries. Um, yeah. So, so I was crushed, hurt. I didn't know what to do. Thought that the world had ended. Um, 
And uh, I had gotten laid off in like 2008, you know, when the house thing, our house, like we were like a year behind on payments, but they didn't take it because, you know, the mortgage company was in that lawsuit about paperwork and all this other stuff. Right. So that's when it really got bad. And um, I was so angry at the person that she was with that I was like, I, I can't get drunk. I'll like end up, you know, I didn't want to be that guy knocking on the door at three 30 in the morning. Like you come out here, you know, or calling her going, no, please take me back. You know, whatever. So I like quit <laughs> drinking. Cause I knew if I got blackout drunk that I would do something stupid because that's just, Dude. that's what I would do. <laughs> See, I was that guy. I remember going into my ex mother-in-law's house numerous occasions. Uh, well, I would drive by there all the time and see see my replacement i called him my replacement oh, yeah, yeah. his car in the driveway over there and a couple times i went into the house um just hammered creeping around the house <laughs> really i just wanted to rip him out of the bed you know by his ball sack you know just <laughs> get over here this is crazy, man. I almost went into jail a couple times doing that stuff. So I hear you. It's a very real possibility, you know, especially when you're obsessing about the loss that you're feeling. And God, you know, I can imagine, you know, feeling like the one thing, you know, you were hanging on to that one thread that like the fact that I'm still have this marriage, I'm not a complete loser. I'm not a right. complete fuck up. Right. And now that's, you know, that's done. It's like you lost your purpose. That's what happened to me with my losing my kids. That was my last string, you know, um, fucking up the marriage, you know, another time there, I had many last strings over the years, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I had, uh, gotten laid off and when I got laid off, I, I was, I started selling carpet at the beginning of this thing, like floor covering when I was like 22 mm -hmm. and, uh, had eventually started installing it. And, uh, so then w when that happened, this guy that, uh, used to install for the carpet company I used to sell the carpet for called me up. He's like, well, what are you doing with yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, well, why don't you start your own business? I have my own business. Then we'll just work together. And, you know, so I had started my own business and, um, so we worked out of town a lot. That didn't help things at the end either. And uh, so I, uh, I left town for like two weeks after, after she first left. And uh, I came back and uh, that, that six months, I just, I just made it like a bucket list that I was going to try and rip through like it, it was, I was back to, I like, I have to draw attention to myself or I have to do these things to make myself feel worthy, you know? Right. And, uh, they were crazy stuff like ride a bull and, uh, <laughs> it, it was a mechanical you. bull. I ended up <laughs> displacing three ribs on that bull though. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, suspension, you know, where you get the hooks in your back and you swing around from the ceiling. You did that? Yeah, so I did that. Wow. And this is now this is why I decided in the 6 months that I got clean or what I wasn't really clean but that I was not using. Well, and, because uh, you became a workaholic, right? Yeah, I was I was working and then I was trying to show up 
I don't know what I was doing. How good you were doing, right? So yeah, now, now you're things. entitled. Like she's she's gonna come back because look at how good I'm doing. Right. And, yeah. and somewhere in there, I got over the she's going to come back thing. And it was kind of like then I kind of got that well, I'll show you what you're missing sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, which that's not that's not a good road either. And uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I started I always wanted to be a pilot. So I started pilot school. Oh, cool. And, yeah, that lasted like three, three classes or whatever. But um. <laughs> I can't even remember. I had a whole list of just crazy stuff. And uh, and then my birthday rolled around. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm good enough to drink now. And so I started drinking. And I'd always, like, played darts uh, on, like, dart leagues. So, I, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm back in the swing. I'm hanging out with my buddies and whatever. And uh, we went on a job out in uh, North Dakota for the government and uh we got paid out of our minds like yeah. we we're making ridiculous money it was it was almost silly and i came back from this thing and i went down to the bar and i bumped into this guy that uh knew my ex-wife's brother whatever so we start talking and i don't know what happened but i well i know what happened i got drunk and stupid is what yeah. happened but i uh i was like well maybe this we're gonna take it up a notch and I slid him a hundred dollar bill and has like, go get whatever and just come over to the house, man. And he's like, Oh, all right. Well, he decided that he was going to pick up some meth. Yep. And, uh, boy, like, Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. This is even better than that crank stuff. Like, and then I was like, well, this just solved all of my problems right here. And so that started like shuts the herd. It shuts the herd off. It oh, does. Absolutely. And then I had this thing where like, how much carpet can I put in if I'm working 18, <laughs> 19 hours? To, yeah. You know, I bet you can do a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, is maybe for the first week. Yeah. But after that, then it was like, what the hell did I just do for 18 hours? Yeah, like I got that job done. half done and I don't been here all day, you know, you get nothing done. so that, was like on the weekends when I was home and then we started working in town and just like everything else in my life, you know, just more, 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 more. And so, uh, this guy was, I had this big house and this guy's like, Hey, I know this girl that has a couple kids and she needs a place to stay and she's trying to get clean and she's in drug court and whatever. So, you know, you should rent out the basement. I'm like, cool now i don't have to find somebody to watch my dog while i'm out of town perfect make a little extra cash um although she was in drug court uh getting clean i don't think was her you know what she was trying to do because i found out shortly after that that she was selling it Mm. so at first and i had a lot of these moments coming up here where i was like what and then i can get paid yeah my rent and sweet you know so now i'm getting rent paid in dope i'm buying getting uh you know i can stay up for weeks at a time i can get all this stuff done right but you're making stupid money so you can pay the all the house stuff yourself you've been doing that and uh so that slowly started to you know cracks because then it got to the point where 
I was now I started doing it at work, you know, mm-hmm. run out commercial jobs, run out to the porta potty, you know, like <laughs> my my business partner called me old reliable. He's like, boy, you're just like clockwork. You know, you have to go go use the bathroom after lunch every day, you know, because I'd like rub my belly like, oh, got to go to the bathroom like every day after lunch and out to the biffy and you know, it's just like enough. the old uh <laughs> that big fake yawn you know that yep, everybody yep. does oh yeah all the time like yep. you you're so twacked out you could be up till two tuesdays from now and you're like They're, they oh, go in the room and <laughs> yep, do the eight hour marathon so crazy yeah um and like residential jobs when you do the carpet in the closet you push the carpet through run it under the door and then shut the door and you're in the closet and then you you know put it all in oh dude then i just sit in the closet until somebody came to find me and they couldn't open the door because the carpet was holding the door shut right like hey you almost done in there oh yep and then once that happened then i knew it was oh gotta put this away and always being careful to try and not break the bubble in my pocket and like Mm. So work became a how do I get high thing instead of getting anything done. Right. And um, and that really screwed up the whole business model. And eventually um, it came down to he's like, are you on drugs? I'm like, what? No, drugs. What? It's like, I don't know what's going on here, you know. And we ended up deciding that we were just going to part ways and uh I had a truck that I had gotten that he co-signed for that shortly after that I wasn't paying and and I had gotten uh anyway they came and took the truck and I bought a boat from his dad. He was like, ah, just give me some money here and there. So they took my truck, my boat, you know. I'm like now I'm like a year t- two like almost two years behind on my mortgage. Damn. And uh, the things had gone south with the girl downstairs. So I uh, figured out how to get her out of there. In the meantime, I met Melinda. And uh, so I'm like hanging out with her. And uh, yeah, she, she, she came over to see the girl that lived downstairs. And uh, the, I came home from work one Friday. And there's like all these people in the basement. Just all getting like, a bunch of girls. And they were like, hey, we want to go to this thing in, uh, I don't even remember, Red Rooster Days or something like that it was called. And mm. can you give us a ride? And so we were all going to go to Red Rooster Days the next day. So mm. um, the next day, everybody, you know how that goes. It's big plans and then nobody <laughs> wants to do anything. Right. Except for the one girl. She's like, will you still bring me to Red Rooster Days? I'm like, sure. So we went to Red Rooster Days, came back. You know, we were playing uh, Xbox and hanging out and getting high. And um, she just never went home. (laughs) Right. You know, and uh, so got the girl out of the basement and then uh, decided to rent out to another girl that sold drugs and another guy that sold drugs. And the next thing you know, I've got like three or four of the rooms in my house all rented out to drug dealers it's a trap house now <laughs> oh yeah now it's a big old flop house you yeah. know and uh and i would i sat downstairs and i got into building stuff you know and uh 
Melinda was into computers. So she had like five computers and all these screens downstairs. And I had this big workshop and I'm building stuff that's going to change the world that really isn't shit. And like, and, and then people would come over <laughs> and they would buy stuff. And then they come downstairs and like, Hey, what are you building? And like hang out. And then, so pretty soon I'm down there and everybody would stop by to see what the hell we're doing down there. And, uh, <laughs> get high with us and all the rent from all of them is getting paid and dope. And like, everything is, you know, sweet except for, you know, it's like a anthill with people coming in and out and in and out and in and out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at first I, nobody knew that I used and a couple people knew then, then I started not to care and it kept me in. And I was like, Oh no. Oh yeah. It's all good. And if I don't do this, huh. Oh no, it's all good. And if I don't eat the stuff, then it's all good. Well, now I can eat it, but I'm not shooting it. And uh, didn't quite get to the shoot thing. Like I was right on the cusp when eating it's in my opinion, right there. Oh, I mean, it's like the same. You just got to wait for the brush, but you, you know, eating it, you rush out. You Right. It's insane. So, yeah. So anyway, then, um, so then all of a sudden, you know, you got, people coming in and they're like i just want to let you know that i got a gun you know i just figured to be respectful to let you know because it's your house mm. and the first time that happened i was like what you know i like kind of freaked out and then it was like all right man well just don't be flashing it around or take it out and then pretty soon it was like half the whatever house had guns whatever i don't care so yeah I kept, <laughs> everything the bar kept moving you know i kept moving yep. the bar to make it okay and uh and I even did that when I was drinking too. Like I well, it's amazing what we can, think you know, of. think is normal. You know, we can normalize the craziest shit. You know, oh yeah, it's nuts. Then she, so I get the, I did the same thing with drinking. Like I wouldn't drive my car because if I didn't get a DWI, I wasn't an alcoholic. If I went to work every day, I wasn't an alcoholic. I'm, you know, I totally ignored the that I blackout drank four days a week. You know. <laughs> That, yeah, that didn't because I'm not putting anybody I'm still in danger. Everything done the way it's supposed to be, right? Which I wasn't, <laughs> and that happened with the drugs too. And then, so now I have, so now I got all these people in my house paying their rent with drugs. Got people coming over, getting high with me. Um, right. I didn't even go. I ended up not being able to even get myself put to back together to go back to work. The mortgage company was still in a lawsuit. So I, th- I think we were at like 40 months without paying, you know, any rent and uh, or mortgage. And so, wow. yeah, it was it was just getting crazy. And then uh, February 2012, um, I was laying in bed and all of a sudden uh, my girlfriend's sister comes running in. She goes, the cops are here. I'm like, what? The cops are here and I can hear them banging on the door, you know, Stearns County Drug Task Force or whatever. Kick, you know, come in. They're coming in like doors all over the place. I'm in bed and uh, I was just like, I, I put my hands up on the pillow. I'm like, they're going to want to know where my hands are. And uh, I can remember thinking like, finally, it's over. It's You're like, over. I've seen enough of the movies to know what to do here. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, it's finally over. Like, I'm probably, you know, I didn't know anything about really about the legal system. So I'm like, probably going to prison. 
that's going to really suck, but at least this is over. I can start over and get my life back together because this is completely out of control. Right. You know, like I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm too far in now. I can never get myself out. So I was just, yeah, you know, and uh, my just riding it, the, just riding it out. Oh, for sure. And my yep. girlfriend at the time had CPS cases and whatever, and uh, her twins were going to get adopted. And uh, she didn't know what was going to happen uh, with her daughter. And so we were both on a, you know, let's party as hard as we can till we get ourselves off this planet. You know what I mean? Like we were right. both on a streamline straight to the grave. And uh, yep. I just remember that like, mm. okay, it's over. And they got us all together and whisked us off to jail. And <laughs> whisked. It was magical. <laughs> yeah. It was like sweet relief. <laughs> yeah. So we, we get, we're, we're in there uh, in booking, right? And, uh, and so we get, uh, it's just kind of a funny story. Everybody really likes this story. So anyway. <laughs> I'm in bed with my girlfriend when the cops come in. Her twin sister comes running down the hall to tell us that the cops are here. I throw my hands on the pillow because I don't know what else to do. And then uh, my girlfriend's like, um, her sister's like, what do I do? What do I do? And she goes, I don't, get in. So she hops in bed. So they bust the door open on the bedroom, whatever. So I'm standing there and booking. They got us all lined up facing the wall or whatever. And, uh, and this cop comes over to one of the drug task force chicks or guys. And he goes, so which one of these guys uh, was in bed with the twins? And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So they <laughs> thought I had like this thing going on with the twins. And that's awesome. That was kind of funny. Hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of worse things to develop a reputation <laughs> for, even if it is fake. Like, right, right. Those dudes are probably like, lucky bastard. <laughs> That's so we awesome. so we get you know the your picture taken your prints and all that and put into our little holding cells and uh all of a sudden uh my wife and or well she's my wife now my girlfriend ends up being my wife in this story but uh so they let him go i'm like what the heck and uh how does that work but the gr girl that got caught with the majority of the drugs you know she didn't get to go home but right. we all got fifth degrees and I didn't know, even though that's a felony, that that was a book and release. Right. Now, I don't have anybody to talk to that knows what the hell is going on. So they come and open the thing and they're going to let me go. And so this is what I do. I'm like, wait, what? I, I get to go home. And I'm thinking like, dude, maybe you just keep me overnight, you know? Maybe something <laughs> like if I walk out of here right now, everybody's going to think I rolled on them. Like they're going to be like, how did he get out of jail? You know, I didn't realize that people that were saying things like that were talking about first and second degree offenders. not right, fifth. Right. So I was like, I'm going to get stabbed as soon as I walk out of here, you know, because everybody's going to think I narked everybody off. And so you know, I'm like, this is it. It's over. And then I, I get released. And, uh, Anyway, get picked up by my uh, girlfriend and some other people that were still at the house or went back to the house like afterwards, like, where's everybody, you know, mm -hmm. and um, pick me up. We went back to my house, 
sitting in the living room where I'd been in handcuffs three hours ago, started getting high. Hell yeah. And on top of that, the big joke in the circle was, this is the last place in town they're going to come to look because they were just here. Right. Like, this is the safest place ever. They're not going to, you know, come back. The one guy said he had plans for the weekend. We'd probably get, you know, all rocked up all weekend. And so it started over, like, and went back to um, that, if not worse. So I had this little, uh, like, four, it was like a 401k profit sharing thing from the company that I had worked for. So I thought it would be a good idea to cash all of that out and bail that girl that was selling the drugs out of jail. Cause she said, I'll pay you back. Just get me out of here. So, you know, it was uh, before GoFundMe. So I did like a, a real GoFundMe, like face to face. I got all these funds together, got her out and uh, she ended up paying everybody back. But you know, the crypto, the currency at my house. So I got yeah. paid back all that money for bailing her out in drugs right and so and it was like a daily payment because she'd roll and then she'd you know so every day i'd go up and get my drugs and then i'd have them for the day and enough to do with other people for like two weeks so it was business as usual right um then we then i went to uh this interview thing to see if i qualify for drug court and i didn't and then uh my girlfriend she did so she had to start drug court and um so i was like all right well you know i'm gonna stop too well neither one of us stopped and she ended up getting you know violation of probation from drug court she ended up back in jail like not the holding tank this time like she was in jail and stearns county was overpopulated she got shipped off to malax right so i'm trying to get her so at this point i'm trying to bail her out of jail so i am pawning everything i own that they will take and trying to get the money together. Now, by this point, I was in such rough shape that I literally punt like snowblower. Like I took everything down there that I could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Pawned everything at that point I owned and I had 350 bucks. Wow. <laughs> so the only thing I didn't pawn was my watch because I had gotten it from a buddy and for somehow that sentimental thing got stuck in my head. I'm like, I can't be like, I'm watch. never getting rid of this. Never. Right. Right. <laughs> so, wow. so I uh, end up getting the money together to bail her out. Or actually what we did is we got the money together. She, she spent like, uh, actually she spent two days in jail. She got out and then we used again. But while we were using, we were going to buy her out of drug court. You know, I put up the bond because then it wouldn't be a a stipulation of her release. And uh, so we had the two grand together to do that. And then she got popped for a UA and ended up back in jail. So then when I went to pay the thing, I go to her court hearing and they were like, all right, well, now your bail's going to be four grand, you know, for the 10%. No, it was like 50 grand. It was like ridiculous. Right. And and uh, so that just skyrocketed up to like 40,000 or whatever. So now I needed 4 grand and trying to get that put together and finally got that. But while she was in jail for those like 7 days, she was done. She had the coming to Jesus moment and she was yeah. done. Yeah. And um I was like, "All right. Well then, I'm going to be done too." 
and uh the other thing while i'm trying to raise the money i had to like get high so i could stay up so i could raise the money so that's right. longer <laughs> yeah and, uh, <laughs> so i get i get that all she gets out and uh i didn't have enough to get her so she wasn't in drug court but we got her out of jail it was just a big long thing um and uh so she's in drug court i'm not and uh the house we were living in uh we lost power and uh we had a generator in the garage mm. and uh, we would start the generator up in the day and then we would charge batteries and stuff and so we'd have enough power to get through the night yeah. Then that shit got old and I was out in the yard one day and I looked over and saw the plug in on the outside of the neighbor's garage. So at 10 o'clock we would shut off the generator cause you know, after 10 for noise right. and then I would army crawl across the neighbor's yeah. thing. And the old extension the cord. Yep. <laughs> and then it was one extension cord up over the, you know, up over the fence. And then it would go down to like six multi plugs going in the, it was crazy. There was like 17 extension cords running into the house, going like down the stairs and, right. um, you know, and it, <laughs> uh, we had used every dish in the house and there was no way to wash them. So they were all sitting on the counters and, uh, I mean, it got bad. So, <laughs> uh, one night we forgot to shut off the generator. Cops came over for a noise complaint. They're like, you don't have power in here, whatever. Next thing you know, they kick us out of the house because you can't live in a house without power and St. Cloud apparently. So, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <Go> that, <figure. laughs> that ended. And then, uh, so my girlfriend ends up going to inpatient treatment and I get kicked out of the house and a buddy of mine let me stay in his basement. And it was like brick walls, cobwebs, you know, and I, I put the mattress on top of my Jeep, which is the only vehicle I had left. And, you know, it the cost to buy my Jeep depended on how much gas was in it. I mean, that's how much of a piece of shit car this is. And I got the mattress on top, clothes, and that was about it. And uh, like the really important paperwork stuff. Go moving to my buddy's basement. And she's in, in inpatient treatment. And uh, so we're going to get all this money together to get the electric turned on. So we did that. Then she got a thing where she could go to outpatient treatment. And uh, so, you know, there's no no honor among thieves. We get the power turned on and uh, because we weren't allowed to go in the house till the power was on. Got the power turned on. And uh, I'm sure it's somebody I knew. Uh, all the copper in the whole house stripped. And they left the water on. So at some point, the water was like three feet deep in the basement Holy because shit. everything up to about three feet was mold solid. It looked like a jungle down there with mold. Wow, dude. And because I opened the door and I'm like, ah, kind of smells moldy in here. Well, whatever. I went down the basement. So the whole house was completely destroyed, yeah. you know, and we had, I had been out of it just long enough that the mortgage company was like, you know, oh, they're not in it. Now we can get it. There's like a, if you live there, sort of, I don't know, if you move out, they can get it quicker than if you're living in there. So they uh, canceled my insurance. So I didn't have any insurance on it and then uh, took it back. 
So now I'm stuck in this basement. So now we're living in this basement and uh, we're going to get clean. And this is where we start going to, to meetings. And I remember the first meeting I went to, man, I'm going down the stairs at this church. And uh, this is where my mind is at. I'm like, finally, I can get off all these drugs and stuff and get back to drinking with my buddies like a normal person, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, alcohol is a drug, you know. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? And I'm like, alcohol is a drug? Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't drink in this deal either? And like, no. And I was like, I wanted off the drugs so bad. I'm like, fine, whatever. Whatever it takes to get me off the drugs, we'll worry about the drinking thing later. We can always, you know, amend that later. Right. It didn't take me long to figure out, like, at this point, I didn't think I had a problem with drinking. Right. But, you know, um, the you mess. thought a lot of things that were just crazy. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the more the more I did in recovery, the more I realized that I like first thought, second thought, third thought, you know, wrong. Yeah. I, I don't know shit. Uh, everything I thought I knew is really backwards from what works in life or people to be successful or have happiness or joy or, you know, good self-esteem or anything like that. It's like everything I knew that I thought would give me that was totally wrong, you know? Well, and it's total perspective. You mm-hmm. know, when I was just drinking and stuff, I thought that like the whole crank thing that had turned into meth had disappeared. And right. by the time I went through this cycle, I thought everybody in the world was smoking dope. Yep. You know, because that was my world. It's normal. Yeah. That's Everybody just... does it. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you, dude. I do. It it's becomes like, our reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I did the meeting, whatever. And I was like, all right, well, we'll just come back tomorrow. And we came back tomorrow for like two years. Oh. You know, she graduated from drug court. Um, she, uh, got, you know, took care of everything she needed to take care of. And, uh, it was like, I was in drug court cause I'd bring her to all her P tests like every right. other morning. Cause drug court's pretty, you have Intense. to call the line and tell them where you are all the time. And, and, um, so I would go and every once in a while, since I was, uh, I was on probation through Stearns County, every once in a while, the lady would come out and say, Hey, you know, why don't uh, you come pee in a cup? Yeah, Stan wants you to come in here and pee in a cup. Yeah. Like, okay. And um, he looked at me one time and he says, you're not in drug court. And she is. And if you don't get clean, she won't. So either shape up or ship out. And I was like, oh. I love right. it. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. She's looking so, out for her. So I, uh, and, and, you know, ironically, he was like the most hated PO of all time. Uh, but by the end of it, man, he really, he was tough and he didn't put up with much crap. And, uh, but in the end, like he got, got it done, you know, but right. if you wanted to do it, he would help you. You didn't think he was helping you, but mm-hmm. you know, I was a, that's a whole different story. That guy. But, <laughs> uh, so she, she graduates from drug court. She graduates from treatment. Um, we decide to move out of this like basement thing we're in and uh, we get a one bedroom apartment and everything kind of came together with that. We didn't have any money and like your credit score was supposed to be so big and mine wasn't. And I don't even know how we got this apartment. Just one of those things. Like I had the money in my hand, I think. And the guy's like, 
all right, whatever. We'll give it give it a shot. So we get a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. And uh, I get a job, and then uh, she starts working, and so we're working. We're trying to make things go, and then she got pregnant. So then we got a baby, and uh, so we decided we needed a two bedroom apartment. So right. we go and we move into a two bedroom apartment. We're still working. And meanwhile, we are going to meetings almost every single day. Right. Uh, I think we took uh, Tuesday off was kind of our our day off, and then we were going to church on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but Saturday I was going. <clears throat> excuse me. Saturday I was going to a men's meeting in the morning and at night. So we were going to like seven meetings a week. And uh, every camp out we can get to, every, you know, Minac, all that stuff. And uh, we did that for like two or three years, real hardcore. And uh, so we move into the two bedroom. Two years later, we get married. Um, that was another, another good story. I, when she graduated from treatment, I didn't know, but they have this little cup they pass around and they say this rock stands for whatever and they put it in the cup and they pass it around and you get to keep your rocks for whatever okay so it comes to me and i'm like well i didn't know that we were supposed to bring a rock but i brought one every anyway and i pulled out her engagement ring and asked her to marry me at her graduation from her treatment oh wow that's so, so badass dude yeah so oh, that's awesome so yeah so then we get married um on the 13th of July and our son was born on the 24th of July. So like she was beyond pregnant when we got married and we actually the day after my birthday. What the 24th? Yeah. I'm July 23rd. Yeah. Parker's July 23rd. My other so cool. Yeah, that is cool. So (laughs) (laughs) they got good birthdays. Yeah. (laughs) Good, strong birthday. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're we get married in the park next to the hospital. So the big joke is, you know, if we're in the <clears> middle of the wedding and she has to go to the hospital, it's right there. And then oh, yeah. also the other running joke was we spent our honeymoon in St. Cloud's uh maternity ward. So that's awesome. That nice. Hell yeah. But we kept going to meetings, we kept going to meetings, we really got into the life of recovery. Yeah, changed all our people, places, and things, and got real serious. Mm. And uh, at that at that point, I don't think I'd be where I am if it wasn't for Narcotics Anonymous. Right. Like that that was the the thing. You know, I I got a sponsor. I started working steps, um, and 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 hanging out with people and finding out that it's actually you don't have to get messed up to have fun. And kind I always kind of thought that like people that don't get messed up, like what do you right. do for fun? Because that's all I did. And, and we're still crazy. Oh you know? yeah. You think that it, yeah. Not only do you think you can't be fun, but you think you're going to be like boring or something. No, right. we're still the same. We're just, different if that makes sense you know what i mean like we're still crazy we still have messed up senses of humor we still you know get super excited and into stuff you know and we still have this like uh just crazy intense energy about us um 
it's just channeled in different ways, man. You know what I mean? Like you built a community around yourself by going to all them meetings and getting so plugged in. Right. Especially going to them big events. Cause now you're not just knowing the people in St. Cloud, you're knowing people from like all over. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah. It was uh, definitely the turning point in my life. And, uh, and all starting in a brick walls, cobwebs everywhere basement probably what you when you first moved in there viewed as the bottom of your bottoms like the worst place you've ever lived you know right yeah it was definitely yeah it, it, yeah it was all stone wall the doors you guys were like the rows the, that grew through the crack <laughs> in the, the concrete yeah. You know? yeah man hell yeah he still lives there so Maybe someday I'll take pictures so I can remember where I started. Oh, yeah. And then if you ever write this story down, you know, down the road, like, uh, like I don't know, I got that, like that uh, Wix thing. My ex-girlfriend right. had some stuff on there and I, I was like checking it out and I'm like, this is pretty cool. So I like wrote kind of a, you know, sh- short Reader's Digest version of my story and it's cool because you can like put pictures in there so like as you're scrolling through you're like reading it and you can like see different pictures from my life it's pretty cool fun to put together i was like i like this little website it's called wix if you want to check it out w-i-x all right yeah i'll check it out for sure it's free make your own blog (laughs) (laughs) so let's see where was i now i uh Okay, so we moved into the two bedroom and uh and then she got pregnant. And uh so so she got pregnant and then uh we were going to move into a three bedroom. But they didn't have one at the place we were at, so we ended up moving into a three bedroom in a different place, but we just kept kept making more money trying to you know and we just kept growing and growing and moving on and and uh, everything uh, was falling into place and then some pretty amazing stuff happened um her twins that uh got adopted uh she was going to be able to have visitation with mm. which was not even on the table at right. all because um the twins' dad got the kids when uh, she signed over the rights and then he got popped and then they got taken from him. So she was like t- once removed from this whole thing. So right. they didn't have to give her, but they, they found out, you know, what she was up. She kept showing up at the court dates. And so they kept, you know, talking to her and found out what she was up to. And so she yep. ends up, you know, gets to visit them four times a year. So nice. that happened. Then her daughter, uh, we ended up getting custody of. And about the same time we got custody of her daughter, she got pregnant. <laughs> so then we had our little girl. And so we went from, a, you know, two kids to four in like two months. And, uh, and then she has another son that uh, the dad kind of took off with, uh, with him when he was like, I don't know, around a year old. And uh, not took off like kidnapped, but took off like removing him from her chaos sort of thing. And uh, so 
she got really that's what started her like he didn't like her family because they drank and so he was going to take the kid away from that and uh i don't know again another story for her to tell right yeah her story is way crazier than mine (laughs) so uh anyway she hadn't seen him since he was like one and uh he's 14 i think and uh so she got to meet him when he was 14 awesome and uh they've been in contact uh for the last three years three or four years um and uh, every year in the summer one summer we all went and then last summer she just went but she visits him he comes to minnesota he just turned 18 so we're looking forward to him coming to minnesota you know just by himself for you know, before it was his dad would come to Minnesota too, and then we'd get to see him. But um, yeah. so to come stay with us, and so that that's exciting. So all these like miracles just start popping up all over the place. Right. And uh, I started a camp out at my mom's house uh, up in Brainerd on the lake for my sponsorship family. Yeah. And that thing, there was thirteen of us the first year, and. Uh, not this year. I think COVID slowed it down, but the year before that, there was 54 of us. Nice, dude. So, and, uh, and Strong we're all sponsorship line. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. All, you're all in the same sponsorship line. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So that is like the thing I look forward to every year. That's family, yeah. bro. You know, yeah, it is. It's like my, um, you know, I, I'm from a pretty strong sponsorship line myself. And like my sponsor's sponsor, I mean, really in the beginning, especially uh, before I before I felt comfortable enough where I was turning to my sponsor, sponsor all the time, it was usually both of them when I would break down and need to talk about whatever, right. you know, or need guidance. And it they used to take me to dinner once a week, every week, dude. And like, I'd always feel like such a piece of shit because I didn't have money and, and we would have the best conversations of those things. And, and these guys are crazy too. So it was kind of funny because I mean, sometimes they say the damnedest shit and I just be like, you guys are fucking crazy, dude. (laughs) I love it. But they super good with the guidance thing for me and, and just holding me accountable and not sugarcoating shit for me, but at the same time, like not coming across like a personal attack, but more like a, you know, like a coach or something, you know, like right. they tell me something that didn't really sound good and I didn't really want to do it, but I was damn willing to do it because I fucking trusted them, you know? And yeah, I mean, that's what you need, right? Just like gift of desperation where you're willing to follow some suggestions you know because until we get that gift we fucking we think we know what's best you know oh yeah nothing can touch me you know i I got (laughs) this you know i'll figure it out no dude you know you get to the point where you know you can't figure this shit out no more and you need that but that's amazing dude like i know a few people that have something similar to what you're talking about where it's a big large scale like sponsorship line like that man that is so cool and it really is a testament to, you know, if you go by the book, right. You know, like right. you're not working your program, you're, you're working the program. So you're teaching people what it says in the book, you know, and you're doing what it says to do in the book. Um, and it works if you work it, dude. And then it's, fa- it becomes a family, you know, that's yeah, so it's cool. Really cool. So you get like awesome <laughs> group pictures and stuff with all oh, you yeah. guys. Yep. Oh, yeah. And and we when we started it, you know, we uh brought our significant other, which 
I think one of my, well, my best friend, like there's a guy that when all this started that we just hooked together and right. uh, my best friend for sure. Like we drug each other through this thing, but uh, he is married to a normie. But every other one of those guys in our sponsorship families, wife or girlfriend is in recovery. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, if you wanted to give a, a award for support, my buddy's wife would get that award. Like yeah. she, I, she, there was one year where she went to more meetings than he did because her sister is also in recovery. Okay. So she was trying to go to his and go to hers. And, yeah. 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 She's awesome. That is cool, man. But the, yeah, wanna... so it's just a huge recovery, you know. Yeah, thing. we we had uh, year before last, so it would be one, two, three, and then me. So my sponsor and three up, and then I had a sponsee who had a sponsee. Yeah, so there was like a seven generation, like <laughs> a spot like. My sponsee's sponsee could see all the way up seven people where his sponsorship came from. That's badass. Yeah. I know. And it's funny because, I mean, I feel I feel like I was blessed. Like one time I got to go to like a after meeting fellowship. It was coffee and pie. Right. And it was actually um, I had sponsees there. My sponsor was there. His sponsor was there his sponsor's sponsor was there. And then his, that old dude, that dude is really old. His sponsor, who's like a guy around his same age, you know, like they've been working together for 30, 40 years or something, you know, was there too. So it was like, you said like five generations or something. And I was like, when we got it, I was, I was the one I'm all pumped at the table. I'm like <laughs> asking the server, can you take a picture of us? And those guys For thought sure. it was hilarious, but I never, you know, I had heard about that shit, but I never like actually thought ever that I would, I would be able to feel like I had that. And I'm not saying like we all get, to get you know, I keep in touch with my sponsor and his sponsor and my sponsees that I've had, they've come and gone. I've never had anybody personally like that works through all the steps myself, but you know, that was just this one moment where I was like, look at this, this is crazy. So I needed a picture to commemorate yeah. the moment, you know, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Super thankful for that, that camp out and, uh, and my sponsor, he's been my sponsor for like seven years. So how long have you been clean? Uh, eight and a half years. So damn son. Yeah. Dude. Yep. June 6th, uh, 2012. And my birthday is June 5th, 2012. Oh, dude, that's so weird. We got some like birthday. strange <laughs> little things going on. Like the kids got the same birthday as me. The other ones almost got the same birthday. And then guess what? Your birthday is a day off of your clean date. My birthday is my clean date. And that was oh, not wow. planned, dude. I, I had the reservation like, I was working the program. I had a sponsor. I was highlighting my books and studying them every night. You know, I was journaling. I was doing all these things, prayer and meditation. And at night I'd have like a half a beer, you know, like 
a lot of times I'd wake up in the morning with most of the beer still in the can, you know, I just, I would have a bedtime beer and I never got buzzed. So I really didn't think it counted like in my head, you know, it was like, it didn't make sense. You know, I was like, it's nothing, you know, it's not my problem. You were talking about that earlier. And then, uh, yeah. So anyway, like I was in this meeting one time and some shit was going on and life was coming at me and I was stressed and I was just having a bitch fit in this meeting when I was sharing. And they're like, Hey, you know, when we were outside smoking a cigarette, uh, my sponsor and his sponsor, like, Hey, so, you know, you're in there and you're like bitching about the car and the girl and all that stuff. And you're talking about how you almost got six months clean. And, and they were like, let me ask you something by whose count. Cause I'd, you know, I wasn't hiding any of it. They knew I was having a beer bedtime and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this was the first time they actually like called me on like, you're trying to claim this time that you ain't got, you know? Right. Um, they get Anthony, my my sponsor, sponsor, Anthony, he's like, uh, he starts giving me this spiel about the swimming pool, you know? And this isn't like, you know, you can dip your toe in the water and, you know, like see how it feels. You're either all in or you're all out, you know? Right. And, uh, I was, I played it cool, but then for two weeks after that, I was like obsessing about that. And it was pissing me off progressively more every day. I was like, this is stupid, you know, and it was pissing me off because it wasn't a big deal. Right. I was telling mm-hmm. myself it's not a big deal. So that was making me more angry. Like it's stupid. And, uh, anyway, I, I decided I'm going to make it fucking count then, you know, I had a, my, good friend's husband had the same birthday as me and we kind of had a tradition where we'd party anyway so i hit him up and i wasn't planning on hitting him up until that point when i kind of came to the breaking point i'm like i'm gonna make it fucking count then right i hit him (laughs) up and i'm like let's hang out let's party blah 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 they're like hell yeah i went up there to camp and i went up there and we had i smoked a little weed and had some drinks the night before our birthday right and then the real party was going to happen on our birthday. And then, you know, we just kind of had a chill night by the fire, hung out and stuff that other night. But I woke up in the morning, you know, and I had a little hangover and I could not get out of my head. And, you know, they say there's nothing worse than a head full of the oh, program right. and a belly full of booze. Right. And that was yep. that was what happened to me, dude. And I was like, oh, and then I called my sponsor, Mike, and I said, dude. I told him what I did. I told him why I came clean about all that shit that I had been uh, obsessing about that shit for two weeks. And it was pissing me off. And it was like, a, you know, and that I come to realize this morning, uh, feeling kind of hungover, but feeling more shitty emotionally and intellectually. And like, and I'm having these realizations that I had, it was a reservation. And, uh, that, so I said, no more beers, bro. And he was like, really? No more beers? I said, yep, no more beers, dude. And I was, the, I never, you know, I hung out that day until uh, people started getting a little tipsy. And then I took off. I, in the afternoon, I packed my tent and shit, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to stay all night, but I was like, I'll hang out until I start feeling like tempted, you know? And that's what I did, man. And I never, I've been hundred percent clean since. And it's nice. It was not planned, but dude, you know, your birthday, like what an awesome birthday present to yourself. And you probably, I don't know if you planned it that way, but I sure as fuck didn't. And it's just weird how it worked out that way. Right. Well, uh, Melinda had gotten arrested on the third. And so, um, the fifth of June is my birthday. She got arrested on the third. And so let's see. So she, her clean dates at the third. 
And then uh, on my birthday, everybody was feeling sorry for me because I was <laughs> freaking out because she was in jail. Right. And like two or three people, you know, parachutes where you put the, you know, to eat it in the toilet yep. paper. Yep, yep. Yeah. Like two or three people gave me big ones of those. And uh, I went to her court date, found out that she wasn't getting out and she was going to uh, Malax. And uh, I just, I didn't want to be high. Well, I didn't want to be really high. I just wanted to be kind of high at her court date. And right. so when I got out of there, I was just wrecked again. So I ate all of them. And I, uh, the day after, because I, hey, happy birthday. And then the day after I woke up in, because uh, I, I, I just shut down. Like I had too much yeah. or something because I wasn't up for a week. I was out. And I woke up with half of the dashboard of my Jeep in the front seat. And me like kneeling on the ground with my, like when I woke up, I was looking at the pedals wow. half in and half out of the Jeep. And uh, I got up and I was just like, I can't, I, I'm done. I'm done. Right. I know when she gets out, she's going to be done. So I was going to wait till she got out to be done, but right. like, I'm done. And I walked into the house and this is the funny thing. I opened up one of the bedroom doors and there's like five people in a circle and uh, like, oh, you look like shit. And Dwayne was sitting in the chair right there. And he had he had just taken his turn and he went to hand it to me. And he goes, and I looked at him and I'm like, and I, I don't think I believe this when I said it, but I was like, I am never going to do that shit again. Right. You know, and turned around and walked out. And I didn't even I didn't even believe that what I was saying, but that's right. how I felt. And that was the last that that was the awesome beginning you know when we, when i did your show you had said to me that you related to so much i said and i'm so like i'm seeing it now you know like even in the some of the stuff man that like you know you were saying you know like you just you weren't gonna do all that dope but you just like you got upset and you did it all you know that's Wait. what i did before and that's what set me off into this like and you know i told you about it this insane psychosis that ended up really becoming kind of like a spiritual awakening i think you know in hindsight looking at it um no i'm glad it happened to you bro and i'm glad that uh you know i'm glad that you've been able to experience all the miracles you have in your life man it's really awesome you got an awesome story and melinda too she needs to come up on here and tell her story i would love oh, that. that her story is <laughs> i would love yeah. that well, I'll, I'll mention it to her. Yeah, let her know, man. Dude, so yeah, now you're you're getting going again on this next round of our recovery life. Yeah. Um, eight and a half years clean, and you guys both have the same amount of time. Well, she has three more days. Right. Well, yeah, that, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So you get to celebrate together. The kids. You got an army no. of children. Everything is awesome, man. I'll tell you what, though. Like you need to stay on top of your program yeah. because when COVID hit and the zoom meetings weren't really doing it for me and uh, she had to go back to work. She had been a stay at home mom and then she was doing a little part-time stuff. Cause out of the three bedroom, we bought a house. Mm -hmm. And so she had to, you know, work a little bit to kind of offset it. And I was doing overtime, whatever, but then they cut all my overtime. She had right. to go back to work um and uh 
with all those kids running around, daycare is not an option unless you want to go bankrupt in a hurry. And um, so everything kind of got put on the back burner, you know, and then Minette got canceled and all the campouts got canceled. Um, except for our camp out in the summer, you know. Right. Unless but that's governor, a private thing, you yeah, know. Unless the governor showed up and escorted us off my own land, I guess. <laughs> we weren't, weren't going to miss that. But uh, so things ended up getting pretty rough and uh like i I've, i had some mental stuff that i worked out like when i first got into recovery and uh all that it, it was bad feelings I, it wasn't the shame and guilt and all that stuff that i had gotten rid of but that right. you're not getting it done and not right. going to meetings and not having connection and not having you know and and Melinda not doing the same and right. then uh, stuff just started to get to be too much for me emotionally Yeah, and uh, so I made an appointment to see my doctor and uh, he had always like hey do you want a therapist and I'm like no because I didn't want to pay for it and I right. you know and I talked to my sponsor all the time so yeah I thought it was, uh, and I was good yeah. but uh, I went in and I was like um, well, first off, Melinda got COVID and then we were quarantined for two weeks and I was almost at the breaking point and, uh, I had to cancel my appointment. And, uh, so I had to reschedule it for, for January. Right. And, uh, so the two or three weeks before that, like all my temper, my short fuse, my, all that stuff came back, you know, and I, I even told my mom, I'm like, I'm not doing really well mentally. And right. for, you know, like I have a really good relationship with my mom now. Um, and I, now I don't have to like lie to her. I know that she's proud yeah. of me. And, yeah. uh, my dad ended up passing away, but at least he, he got to see me get clean. Amen. And, um, I, I actually asked him, this is, he's, he had cancer and we're talking hours right right and uh i'm like so you got any uh advice for me and uh hopefully i can get through this without getting too choked up but crying's encouraged on this show he goes uh you know those guys that come up here in the summer and camp out in the yard he goes you keep on doing what you're doing with those guys is the best advice i can give you amen and uh that was pretty Whew. Yeah, that hit. Well, it's it feels good, right, to get the um what's the word I'm looking for? It's not encouragement, but it's more like a it's it's something that happens that lets you know that you're doing the right thing. Right. You know, or something that's confirming it to you or whatever. You know, like and that's one of them things where it's like, yeah. Cuz it does get tough, right? And when it's tough, we can feel we can get stuck in the negative things. Right. And not think about, you know, like here's a perspective flip for you. Right. Like to look at your situation when you were having a hard time and you were trying to find help, but then it got pushed back and you had to go through this season. Right. Um, how blessed you are. Look at all the ODs lately. Look at all the oh, death. Yeah. Look at all the people that are completely losing their minds, uh, relationships that are falling apart, um, I've been seeing it everywhere around me, man. And, and, uh, you know, we, cause I've been going through similar, you know, 
to what you're talking about, just, you know, having a hard time sometimes. Um, but, but it's never, it's not a permanent thing. Right. And it, and it, and it kind of waxes and wanes and I got the tools and I'm using the tools and it's getting me through, um, to, to look at it, like we're blessed, bro. We're blessed. I mean, it's a testament to how strong of a program that, you know, you've been working. If this is all you're, you know, saying happened, you know, cause most people, right. they get to that point and it's all like the gloves come off, man, it's over. And I think about that. I try to remind myself of that, you know, and give myself credit where credit's due. Cause it's all too easy for me to be hard on myself. You know? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to put the club down. Fuck, you know, exactly. Stop beating your own ass right. for a minute and, and realize that you're how blessed you are. You know, you didn't mess any of this up, you know? Did you have some bad moments? Did you have some hard days? You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But we all do. Life gets lifey. You know, as right. we say all the time on this show, life gets lifey. <laughs> well, yeah. When I finally broke down, I uh, called my sponsor, talked to him, got settled down a little bit, and uh, got my doctor's appointment scheduled again. Uh, talked to my doctor, got some stuff adjusted, and uh, made a therapy appointment. And just that alone. Yep. Spark that little piece of hope. Yeah. Again. You know? And it's taking action is huge, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I, you got uh, to so talk I, a little about it and you know that you're making steps in the right direction, man. Right. So I got my therapist uh, thing coming up. Um, and uh, Melinda and I sat down because the thing that broke the camel's back is um, I have a really, really good relationship with Melinda. Like we, we have our ups and downs like everybody else, but we can work things through. You know, we usually don't have any very much friction. And there was all of a sudden a lot of friction. So that was my, I was like, nope, not going down this road again. Right. Down like, I don't want to lose you over this. <laughs> right. So, so now we've decided um, we're going to have date night, get that going again. She <laughs> is going to find a different job so I can go back to days um so we're making all and last night we went to a meeting and it was the best night out that we have had you know we went out to dinner together we went to the meeting and then went to fellowship afterwards and uh laughed so hard and got to reconnect i went with my sponsor and a sponsee and nice. their their wives in it best time ever you know yeah. and it was really funny because earlier this week i'm like i'm gonna do this interview with jason and i can't even keep my shit together you know right and uh but dude, I think it's important though. I think it's important because, you know, I don't, I, I never want anybody out there listening to who's seeking recovery to think that, you know, just because we put some days together that like life's all butterflies and unicorns, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Cause yeah. it ain't dude. The point is, and what this illustrates, you know, when we can get raw and real about the struggles that we face today um, is, is that, we have tools. We make the choice to use them. They help us in so many ways. And, it, and we grow through all of this. We continue to grow. You know, you've talked about so much in this interview that's positive that you're doing for the community, for, for your family and, and, you know, in, in that strong sponsorship line and all that. Um, 
and that's this is just the beginning, right? I mean, eight right. and a half years is a good amount of time, but you're a young dude, man. And you got a lot of young kids, and you know, yeah. you got you got a whole full, full life ahead of you yet. And that's what I try to I love it when we can have a conversation on this show that really is all encompassing, right? It can we can we can explore the depths and we can explore the heights, but then we we can recognize that this isn't about uh, getting into recovery. Isn't about like reaching a destination. It's about the journey because it will be ups and downs and all arounds, and it's going to be a thing. You know, like you're going to go through lots of things. Oh um, yeah. And boy, you know that you guys can do that. That you know, even that your relationship has been able to survive through all the crazy stuff you know getting clean together is uh yeah that doesn't usually work out very well no especially when you just kind of like hooked up with her not that long before you got clean you know right she kind of came in at the end when it was real fucked up you know yeah yeah uh that's cool that's so cool to me i I think it's really awesome man and uh all i can ever say is like god knows what he's doing dude we don't always know you know, and you're going to get overwhelmed with life and shit. It's going to get hard, but God knows. And we don't have to know. We just have to have faith and keep doing the next right thing that's in front of us or making amends promptly when we don't, you know, and that's it. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I got to say that, uh, the higher power thing is huge. And, uh, no matter what your higher power is, whether it's God or whatever it is, um, you know, that's a, big piece Mm -hmm. and uh you know the other thing about when you get into recovery build a solid foundation because that's what saved me every time things are falling apart um i have such a good foundation that i'm building on right um and there's been some times where i've not been building but uh at least that foundation holds up what i got put together because some of the stuff that i've gone through my dad dying um covid uh all this stuff i would have never made it through if i didn't have a strong foundation you know like i would i would have to not that i wouldn't if i wanted to but i'd have some hurdles to jump to get high today you know i'd have to seek it out i don't have a number in my phone i'd have i'd have to figure out like i'm always accounted for i'm at work super sneaky yeah you have to like like, take a lot lie a lot yeah so foundation, totally. super important. And I think another thing is don't compare yourself to other yeah. people. Um, like I know some people in recovery that smoked weed and didn't get anything done. And I know people that have been to prison three or four times. Right. You know what I mean? And, and so whether you've been in trouble with the law or not, or whether you're smoking weed or sh- shooting heroin into your neck, like, Right. Wherever you are on that spectrum, if it's making your life unmanageable and you have a problem, then get some help, man. Like, don't use the excuse like, well, I'm not so bad because he's worse. Like, if your life is unmanageable, then you need to to reach out and get help. And there's people out there that'll help you. So never feel like you're, that was my biggest thing. Never feel like you're too far over the edge to get pulled back. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is. That is huge. Right. All right, dude. So we're going to do 
real quick, I'm going to ask some questions and we're going to close this baby up. All right. Um, Hopefully I pass. No, it's not even like that kind of questions. You silly man. <laughs> uh, where the heck is it? I don't even know. Doop to doop. Okay. So what's your, um, what's the most difficult thing you ever did in your recovery? Most difficult thing. Yep. This is kind of like a rapid fire question. Uh, I'm going to say that asking for help, you know, I, I, I asked for help at the beginning and then got that false sense of security. Like, you know, like you were saying, um, I felt like my key tags, you know, by the time I got my red one, I thought it was a backstage pass to the <laughs> promised land, you know? Hell yeah. And that's just not the case, dude. Like, like you, we were just talking about, it's a lot of work. And, um, me getting out of my own way and not being too proud to ask for help because I think I'm too recovered to ask for help. I, I sometimes struggle with, you know, I don't want to, I have to get out of the mindset that if I need help, it's to go forward. Not, I need help because I'm going backwards. Absolutely, man. So what's your, um, the most rewarding thing that you've done in your recovery? My family, hands down. Yeah, probably the yep. most challenging one too. It is, it, but I, I love my kids so much. Right, absolutely, man. And my um, wife. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, um, I know this is kind of getting long, but no, you're good. You're good. My wife's daughter, um, about two or three years ago, asked me if I'd adopt her. Oh my god! Now it's hard enough to be a parent and wanting your kids to love you. And, but there's something about somebody asking you to be mm -hmm. your parent that hits me hard, man. And unfortunately her dad does not want to let that happen. But, uh, you know, I've grown in this relationship and, um, I treat her like she's my own. And, um, you know, I don't say my stepdaughter. I say my daughter. I, right. you know, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. man. I'm not her, not her stepdad. I'm the dad that stepped up. Well, it sounds to me like whether or not it says it on a piece of paper, it's in the heart, you know, in her heart, in your heart, that's already a done deal. brother. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Um, what's the best piece of advice you ever got that I ever got? Yeah, I mean, in recovery, you know, your best piece of advice that, you know, if one stands out in your mind. Uh, never give up. I think that's, uh, and not, not only like never give up, but if you, if you do give up or if you have a reuse or you, whatever, you know, never give up. You're, my whole thing about a best piece of advice is you're never too far gone to come back because i think that was my thing that you know a lot of that time, whole time i knew i was messing up i knew i was even though i knew i was completely destroying my life even though i knew all these things the only reason that i didn't ask for help is i thought i was too far gone and i thought it was too big of a road to go back to and uh, right. so yeah you're never too late 
until you're dead. But then. <laughs> yeah, you kind of yeah. can't do anything more after that. <laughs> Action's not an option. <laughs> um, what the. That's I'm stupid. All right. Uh, what. What is. Uh, now I got sidetracked. Uh, the squirrel. Uh, what's a like some you would like some literature piece of literature that you would recommend that really helped you out um yeah for sure the the na book um both of them and Uh, that's a legit answer both of them there's more than two like well i mean like basic text blue basic text and i'm talking about like the journey continues the journey continues okay yeah um, oh yeah, the just for today, the you know. Oh, and they um, got how it works and why, which is like yeah, twelve by twelve goes for with the, Goes with the step working guide. And then at one that really I highly recommend to people is living clean. That's more like once you've got some time, you know, and you're going through shit, you know, kind of like what we were just talking about a little bit ago. You know, the things right. we face today. How do I continue to live clean? You know, they tell you in the rooms that. Getting sober is the easy part. It's staying sober. Staying, it's a hard yeah, part. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what's a song that reminds you of your recovery? Um, you know, I'm not a. I like some country. Not a huge country fan. I like everything, but uh, there's a country song. I don't know if I know who sings it, but uh, the cost of living is. How does that go? Um, the high cost of living is better than living high, or something like that. But I don't know what it is about that song, but the story about, you know, it tells a story about him. Things are good. Things fall apart. Things are getting better. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think it's Jeremy something. Ugh, I can't remember. But uh, definitely, definitely would be my uh, recovery song. All right. I'm going to see if this works. See if you can find it. Jamie Johnson, High Cost yes. of Living? Yes. Okay. I'll check it out. I'm pretty sure I've heard it. I'm pretty sure I've heard oh, it. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's my fun little rapid fire. Wasn't that a blast? That was. Hell, yeah, dude. It got me thinking. And it's good, you know, and I, and I love that because art is so subjective, you know, like with literature, with, with music, right, and, like, Man, I've I've actually been turned on to some great music by asking that question, you know. Yeah. Had people tell me about something I never heard before and I listened to it and I'm just like, yes. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing. And I hope, you know, could be just one little thing that could help somebody out, you know, that piece of advice, or maybe they pick up that book or they listen to that song, you know, like or they hear that you did something that they have been feeling like they need to do, you know, with the rewarding and the hardest things that you've done it's it's all it's such a journey man and there's so many things but i appreciate your time tom and i appreciate what you're doing for the community and yeah i feel like uh giving back is kind of our responsibility at this point you know it definitely is brother with like you said it earlier we can't keep what we have yep without giving it away away. amen i i just finished that uh uh course on uh peer recovery specialist i just have to take the test now so awesome dude going and kind of doing that thing how was that experience it was amazing i learned so much yeah um i can't think of the name of that but there's a youtube video 
about how the mind works and how drugs work with the mind, it is crazy. Yeah. So I'll have to get that. I'm sure you've probably seen it. I'm sure you saw it when you took the class, but yeah, it's amazing. I love that class. It was, it was food for the soul for sure. And uh heavy content, emotionally oh, exhausting yeah. week, but is one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. And yeah, I'm glad I took it, you know, cause I obviously didn't get involved in the field. You know, there's, uh, I'm trying to rebuild my life here and it's just, you know, the, I make more money doing what I do than what, you know, doing and that that's stuff. Exactly why uh, I took it because I just wanted to learn more. Right. But, uh, same and that's thing. Same I would for love me. to do that, but I can't, if, you know, I make too much money at work yep. to do that. So. But you know what, dude, it's like, you learn, we, we took the class, we learned the skills. It just puts us in a better, it makes us that much more effective at helping the still suffering addict dude, you right. know, and, and it, it strengthened my own recovery, you know, learning how to be yep. culturally competent and learning about ethics in that way and, and learning all the things and seeing, learning about advocacy and how to be a better support to people, you know, helped me be able to be a better support to myself or know how to seek out better support for myself as well as put me in a better position to help other people. So yeah, yeah I did, I helping. did all of this for that, you know? Yeah. I'm, I, uh, that's my, my focus now is to, uh, keep what I got and, and start giving it away. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, you can get a hold of me at our recovery life at gmail.com, um, or the YouTube channel, our recovery life. Uh, we're going to start, uh, podcasting. That's our, new thing here in the next couple of months and that'll be ca called the recovery life podcast we got a new logo did you see the new logo no the backwards r with the l uh, oh maybe i did see it oh. and uh <laughs> yeah and and maybe a, a live live stream show on twitch might be nice. in the works too so and we will put all your contact info um in the show notes ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to get a hold of Tom or Dwayne, um, you know, you can, you can do that and it'll be right there for you as well as the links to the shows and all that stuff. So uh, everything will be nice and easily accessible wrapped up in a little package for you listeners out there to uh, dig into these guys and get to know them better. Uh, you're a big inspiration, brother. I appreciate all you do. And thanks, thanks. for being on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This is like, like this whole thing where I'm, you know, trying to break out of that, that cycle. This is like the cherry on top of my doctor's appointment, killer meeting, killer fe fellowship. Like, yeah, um, I love, love your guys' show. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Hell yeah. It's weird how that works. Isn't it? We can feel like we're in a funk. Or that was me two days ago, dude. And then kind of what you said, I you know, kick ass. Uh, meeting and fellowship last night, uh, all of a sudden a few things fell in my lap. So I got some things to keep me busy coming up, you know, doing some more interviews and, uh, uh, going to appear on a couple things and some plans for the future and, and just all this crazy shit, man. It's like, gotta move, man. Gotta move in my life. You know, move in your life too. You just gotta keep put together one more day, man. Yeah. Don't one quit before the miracle the happens, right? <laughs> All right. You guys have a good one and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. 
We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.